0: Welcome to the Confident Speaker Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly D. Parker, speaker, consultant, and self proclaimed introvert who stumbled upon the cheat code to captivate audiences and command any room. Each week on this show, I'll share tips and tools to inspire you to communicate with power, charisma, and awaken your most confident self. Let's get started. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Confident Speaker Podcast. This is episode 12 Five Mistakes Storytellers Make. I hope that you guys are doing awesome. I hope that you are staying healthy. I hope that you are staying sane. Child, my kids went back to school this week. So we are navigating virtual learning and all the other aspects of life. So we are just flying by the seat of our pants and just trying to do the best we can. And I bet you are too. So I hope that you are well. Today, we are going to continue talking about storytelling, of course, and I want to present to you five pitfalls that I see often that we can all fall into when we're trying to tell the story, right? So I want to talk about some of those mistakes and then also present what to do about it. So specifically talk about what we can be doing differently to tell more impactful stories. Here we go. Mistake number one choosing the wrong story. We talked about last week, I think it was, that a story and the point have to be like a happily married couple. They have to be the perfect match for each other. So if you're preparing a talk of some sort and you're trying to find an illustration, I want you to think about what if your best friend asks you to do some matchmaking for them and find them the perfect match for them. Like, who do you know that would be perfect for me? When you think about who I am, what I like, all the things present to me somebody that is the perfect counterpart for me. And that's what we have to do when we're choosing stories to illustrate our points, right? Because here's what happens. If you choose a story that does not strongly or clearly obviously illustrate your point, Your audience is going to get confused and you're going to have to work really hard to win them back over to follow, to understand, to feel, to relate to what it is that you're trying to say. So what you want to do on the front end is make sure that whatever story you choose is the perfect match for that point that you want to drive home. So let's say, for instance, you want to tell a story about discipline and the point of your story is that we need to have discipline to be successful in our lives. You want to think about all the possible options that may be throughout your life that you could talk about in regard to discipline or all the different scenes and movies that you've seen that have to do with the discipline. And you want to be very intentional to pick the one that most specifically illustrates the point that you're trying to make most clearly illustrates it. So in order to avoid picking the wrong story, you want to first make sure that the correlation between your point and the story is super tight, super obvious. The other thing you want to do is you want to make sure that you choose a story that you feel connected to. Either you feel connected to it because you thought it was funny. You thought it was heartwarming. It moved you in some way. Because if you choose a story that you don't feel anything for, trust and believe your audience will not feel anything either. And that is what the point of storytelling is right to trigger emotion. So you want to choose some sort of story or illustration that you already harbor some sort of feeling or connection to. Because what you're trying to do is transfer that feeling that you have to your audience. Uh, Another thing that you want to keep in mind is. You want to choose a story that has a situation or a context that your audience can relate to. So if I'm speaking to the National Farmer Society of America, that's a perfect opportunity for me to talk about farming and talk about a situation out in the field and use verbiage and lingo that farmers know. But if I want to speak to a group of perhaps doctors in an urban setting or in the city that know nothing about farming, that would probably not be the right story, right? So one of my stories I like to tell, and I mentioned it last week was when my my daughter was born, my birth story of her being born in the car. So if I'm talking to a group of women, a group of moms, that's the perfect story. However, if I get invited to an elementary school to talk about, I don't know, whatever I'm going to talk about, I might not want to choose that. So it really depends on the situation. So sometimes the right story in one context might be the wrong story in another one, depending upon who your audience is. So first of all, we want to avoid choosing the wrong story. Mistake number one. Mistake number two is sometimes we have the tendency to stray from the point. I know you guys are probably sick and tired of me talking about the point. But when I tell you that is the secret of telling a really impactful story that everybody can understand is anchoring everything around the point. So when we get caught up and we start talking about all these details and stuff that aren't really related to the point, we lose people and we lose impact. So what you want to do to prevent yourself from straying from the point is you want to anchor everything around the point, anchor all the details, anchor all the words that come out of your mouth around your point. The way I like to do this is to sandwich the specific details of the story between the point. So I'm going to show you what I mean i like to start off with some sort of lead in statement, either that would pique somebody's interest or that kind of hints at what the point is. So let's say we're talking about resilience and being persistent. I might start simply by saying, I don't believe in giving up. And then from there, go into the story. Or I don't believe in giving up, but I didn't always feel this way. And then I'm going to go into when I was, you know, coming out of college and things were difficult and I really wanted to give up, blah, 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 blah. So I tell that story. And then what I'm going to do when I come back at the end to propose to my audience, kind of invite them into the story to see themselves in the story. When I do that, I'm also going to revisit the point with it. I'm going to begin to say things like, but I learned that if I'm going to get anywhere, I have to stand firm and not give up on what I set out to do, that no matter what obstacles come my way, I've decided that I am not going to give in. What about you? Are there areas in your life where you need to stand up and say that I'm going to put my foot down and accomplish my goal no matter what? So. Here's what's happening. We started with a statement about the point that kind of led to the story. We tell the story, but I know while I'm telling the details of the story, I'm headed back to my point. I already know that it's already in my brain. So when I come to propose to that um, audience member, like, you know, do you see yourself in the story? I'm also using that opportunity to reiterate the point about this whole not giving up thing. And so by sandwiching it like that, By the time I'm done, no one is confused about what I was talking about. No one is confused about what I wanted them to know. No one is confused about what I wanted them to do. So how do we avoid straying from the point? We sandwich all the details and specifics about the story in between versions of the point. And that way everybody stays on the same page. So mistake number one, we can tend to choose the wrong story. Number two, we can tend to stray from the point. And number three, which is related to number two, child, we can ramble and give way too many details, way too much information. And honestly, I think knowing what details to include, knowing how to include enough detail, but not too much is probably one of the most difficult aspects of storytelling to master. But with some work, we can definitely do it. So here's what we want to remember. The details serve a purpose and they only serve one purpose. The details are designed to point the audience back to the point. That's it. So every detail that you include, you want to be very strategic about it. You want to include details that do one of three things. If they do not, leave them out. Whatever details you include in your story should either number one, help me understand. So we want to include enough details for our audience to understand the specifics of what the story is about. So you want to tell them where you were, what you were doing enough so that they can visualize just enough to help them understand. Also, number two, you want to include details that create common ground. By that, I mean details, things, situations that you both can relate to. So going back to that story about, you know, my birth story of my daughter, just the essence of the story. If I'm in a group of mothers, a lot of us, we can all relate to it. We can relate to having a baby. We can relate to the 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 different things that you go through. So I want to give enough detail for everybody to understand, hey, there's common ground here. I'm telling you details that I know we can all relate to. And number three, you want to include enough detail to create drama. Remember, we talked about every good story has drama. It has conflict. So. You want to include enough information for your audience to understand exactly what that drama or what that conflict is. So here's my rule of thumb. I like to include enough detail to help people understand, create common ground and create drama and nothing more. So if there's anything that I can leave out, I leave it out. Why? Because the point of the whole thing is to get your audience back to the point as quickly as possible. Because you remember, as as you're telling your story, your audience is waiting and waiting and waiting. They're waiting for what's in it for me. They're waiting to understand what is the personal application point for their life. So the more quickly that you can get them back to that point while adequately setting the scene and all those things, right? They're going to appreciate it and they're going to track with you a lot better, Right. Because once you start in on those details, it's almost like the clock is ticking and you only have a certain amount of time to hold people's attention long enough to kind of bring it back home for them. The other thing I want you to understand is this. You do not need a lot of words to paint a picture. So when we're telling stories, we want to paint a vivid picture for that audience. But that does not mean that that you're going to go on and on and on. Matter of fact, you want to do the opposite. You want to get really good at painting vivid pictures that people can see so clearly in a concise way using the least amount of words possible. I want to give you an example. So in 2004, Barack Obama gave a keynote speech at the Democratic National Convention in Boston, Massachusetts, right? And before he gave this speech, not a lot of people knew who he was. But after he gave this speech, everybody was on notice. Like, who is this guy? And I want to read a little excerpt of that speech. And I want to talk about imagery and being concise while creating it. One of the themes that Barack Obama brought forth in this speech was this idea of hope. So listen, listen to this, listen to what he says. It's the hope of slaves sitting around a fire, singing freedom songs, the hope of immigrants setting out for distant shores, the hope of a young Naval Lieutenant General bravely patrolling the Mekong Delta, the hope of a mill worker's son who dares to defy the odds, the hope of a skinny kid with a funny name who believes that America has a place for him too. So let's talk about what just happened because I'm going to tell you that was pretty darn brilliant. I'm gonna tell you why. So here's the first thing I want you to notice. He wasn't going on and on and on, right? So it's concise, but I'm sure as I was speaking, you could visualize the different things that he was saying. Not only that, what you're visualizing is these illustrations of hope of the point of what he was talking about. You're also even in these short sentences, these short spurts, you're also getting the idea of drama, of opposition, of challenge, of overcoming these perfect illustrations of hope. For instance, the hope of slaves sitting around a fire singing freedom songs. I mean, come on. It's like to be an enslaved person, yet you have this hope, yet you are singing together. So it creates this picture that now the audience can anchor the idea of hope onto. It amplifies his point. And he did not need to go on and on and on and, you know, share 20 different details to do that. That's powerful. Here's the other thing I want you to notice. So he he paints these pictures of hope, but then he masterfully wraps it up by weaving his story into the bigger framework of what he was talking about. Did you catch that? He said the hope of a skinny kid with a funny name who believes that America has a place for him, too. So talk about the power of your own story and allowing you as a storyteller to also be integrated into the framework of what you're talking about. It's brilliant. And so what is the takeaway for us? It's that if you know you have a tendency to ramble and include too many details, you want to become very, very strategic about what details you include and know that it's all coming together for the purpose of amplifying that point. And not only that, You want to go to the next level and try to challenge yourself to be as concise as possible with the details that you do choose to include. Okay, so that's mistake number three, rambling, way too many details. Right. So we want to be more strategic. Here's mistake number four. Choosing a story that is too complicated. Have you ever heard someone tell a story where. Well, it started when the person was at home and then they went to work and then they went to the grocery store and then somehow they ended up in jail and then they told their mother about it. And then they ended up telling their brother Daryl about it, who told their other brother Daryl that they shouldn't have did that and they should have stayed at home. And then you just trying to figure out who Daryl is like, you don't know what the point is. You don't know whether you're coming or you're going You're just lost in the sauce. Why? Because the story is way too complicated. I find that oftentimes we want to accomplish too many things in one story. We want to talk about too many ideas in one single illustration. So instead of doing that, you want to focus on a singular point and you want to focus on dramatizing a micro moment. What do I mean by that? And what am I talking about? Let's take, for example, the movie The Color Purple came out in the 1980s with Danny Glover and Whoopi Goldberg. Hopefully you've seen it. If you have not, what are you doing with your life? Go watch it. (laughs) But there are so many illustrations for things throughout the movie. So, I can think of Whoopi when she was shaving, Mr. I can think of Suge when she told her she show was ugly. Like there's so many things. Right. But if I were to give a talk and I want to use the color purple as an illustration, don't try to cover Celie's whole life in one story. Pick one. And then consider it like a freeze frame. So this is what I mean. You remember the scene where everyone is sitting around the table and silly Whoopi Goldberg's character. She just had it. She had enough. She was sick of it. She was sick of Mr. She was sick of the foolishness. And she was telling him, I'm leaving you. And he was just so terrible to her. And then they go outside. And some of y'all know where I'm going. And he was just getting on her. And she sat up here and she put that arm out, honey, with the fingers out. And she said, until you do right by me, everything you think about going to fail. Remember that? So let's say that I wanted to use that as an illustration. What I would do is I would freeze frame it and then I would dramatize and play up all of the things. I would talk about the look in Whoopi's eyes. I would talk about how her fingers were trembling. I would talk about um, the interaction between the two. So instead of trying to capture her whole life or this big situation, I'm going to take a little slice of it and play it up and dramatize it and just describe for the listener every single thing about that one little teeny tiny moment. So to avoid picking a story that's too complicated, you want to put limits on yourself. So like I said, you want to not try to cover a whole decade of time. You want to cover a limited amount of time. The other thing is you don't want to introduce unnecessary characters. You want to be very intentional about only including people in the story that actually need to be there. Because the more people you start talking about, it starts to get more confusing. So remember, I was talking about... Your your mother, your brother, Daryl, then your other brother, Daryl, and then this and that and the other thing. So you want to limit that as much as possible so people don't get caught in a rabbit trail and get distracted from what you were talking about in the first place. And then finally, we already mentioned too many settings, like from going from this place, that place and this and that. You want to keep it as basic as possible so that it does not take away from your point. Let's review what we've covered so far. Common mistakes that storytellers make, choosing the wrong story, straying from the point, rambling and including too many details, picking a story that is way too complicated. And finally, number five, people don't practice. This is very, 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 very important. If you are going to tell a story, you need to hear yourself say the words out loud before you actually do the thing very very important. So, here's a how I handle it. I might start off by writing it word for word perhaps or maybe probably just bullets for me, honestly. And what I'm focusing on is my point, the specifics of the story, and also weaving in what I want the audience to do, what I want them to think about, etc., etc. Once I have that down and I'm clear on those three things, now it's time for me to start saying it out loud and I want to say it out loud enough to where I'm not reading it. I might look at my notes or glance at them, but the best way to create a connection with somebody is to just talk to them naturally, right? So the more that we can be conversational and not be married to these notes, not, you got to divorce yourself from the notes. And the only way to do that is to put in the time to practice. And yes, it takes time, but it pays off. It totally pays off. And it's always obvious when someone has taken the time to practice. Uh, Another thing that I like to do is I love to practice with my kids for a couple of reasons. I know they will tell me the truth. And I like to gauge whether or not they can understand at the age of, you know, 10 or 12, 13. I like to gauge if you can follow what I'm trying to say, then I should be in good shape. I've simplified what I want to say enough to probably where other people can understand it as well. But you want to get in the habit of saying the words out loud. And here's why. How it might read to you is different than how it will sound to your ears when you hear it. Once you hear yourself say it, you might say, oh, wait a minute, I need to put that detail before this one, or "Uh, I can leave that out, or "Uh, it's getting a little slow. Let me try to, you know, edit this a little bit so I can really drive home my point. It's some of those dynamics you will never discover if you are not practicing out loud, and that's just facts. Okay. So the next time you're preparing to give a story or an illustration, keep in mind the techniques that we've talked about and see how much it elevates your impact. Thanks for joining me. See you next week. Thanks for listening to the Confident Speaker podcast. If you found this content valuable, make sure you subscribe and leave a review to help others join the Confident Speaker family. Thanks again and see you next time.